0: Listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at your Castle Real Estate.
1: What's up, Colorado? Today we're gonna talk numbers and stats from March 2020 for Denver, Springs, and Greater Colorado. I got Prest Newberry with Envision Advisors with me. Preston, what's up? How's it going,
0: Chris? Happy to be here. Really good. Joe Massey with Castle & Cook. Joe, good afternoon. What is up, Chris Lopez? I do have one correction. This is March 2022. What did I say? You said March 2020. I know you're 40 nah. now, and so your age is starting to show, and your memory's slipping a little bit, but we're not going back in time. We're nobody definitely wants, not going back to March, March 2020. Nobody wants March 2020 again. No, you're right about that. is <laughs> March 2022, boys and girls. All right. So, part of this
1: new show format we're doing here is having more contributors on here, and more lively discussion. We're going to have, hopefully, Preston, Joe, Jenny Bayless, Travis Spear, a bunch of people on every month. Some Sometimes can't make it. Jenny and Travis couldn't this month. But sit around and talk real estate. Talk the market. And so the first number I'm going to throw by you guys here is, what is 81% up in March 2022? My blood Joe. pressure. <laughs> Your blood pressure? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, surprisingly enough, we've had a huge, well, what everyone will consider a huge increase in, in on the market inventory right now, um, from the previous month, we're up 81%. What does that actually mean? Now there's 2,200 homes on the market instead of 1,200, right? So um, a lot of big headlines surrounding that. Whether that's going to stick around for the rest of the year, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but that has been making some big headlines lately. What are your thoughts on that, Joe?
0: You know what? I love the guys at the Denver Post, the Denver Business Journal, the Wall Street Journal. They do a great job. But some of the they're headlines- They're there to sell headlines, right? They're, they're there to sell headlines. And some of the headlines are going to say, oh my God, inventory has increased 81%. Is the market screeching to a halt? No. no, going from 1,200 homes to 2,200 homes, that's only 1,000 homes additional. We really need ten 000 to 12,000 for this to become a balanced market. So yes, we're getting some more homes on the market, but that's seasonal, right? There's always less homes in January and February than there are in March. So this is a seasonal uptick. Um, it's not something to panic about.
2: No, absolutely not. And, you know, like you said, we see this every year, seasonal situation. Yeah, there may be a few extra homes on the market from people in different situations with everything that's going on, you know, with the rest of the the dynamics of the market. But this is nothing to, you know, to freak out about.
0: That's right. And if you're unsure about that, go back and look at the headlines from last March and April. Guess what happened? Inventory increased in March. We saw a lot of doomsday headlines in April. The market did not come to a screeching halt. The world did not end. So I think it's all positive. Let me ask you this because this is the other thing we got to talk about. Interest rates
1: have gone up, as with prices. Has this uptick in inventory, this small physical uptick, but high percentage uptick inventory, do you think any of that's related
0: seasonality or we got higher interest rates now? Joe? Uh, I do not. who the heck knows? Yeah, I do not think an increase in listings has anything to do with interest rates. Um, Frankly, I think that people list their home because of their emotional or their personal needs, right? I'm having a baby, so I need a bigger house. I uh, had a child move out because he got a job and now I need to downsize. I am transferring jobs, so I need to sell my home. I am being relocated from here to Austin, Texas, so I need to sell my home. So I don't think interest rates Personally, and then maybe that somebody out there that's listing or watching can can comment. Um, I don't have any data that shows that changes in interest rates impact listings. What do you think?
1: Well, I should say, I mean, because that the number we get eighty one percent wasn't for listings; it was active inventory, right? Yes,
2: that was active inventory. Yeah.
1: Yep. Oh, so, I see. So there's, yeah, yeah. there's more homes available. So there's more homes. So just go back and clarify because I uh, I'm actually on the stats. So new listings were up about forty three percent from uh, last month. But, but active, active in, listings are I'm about 81%. I so see. both up tremendous amount. Uh, I agree. I don't think sellers, I mean, they're not going to list and who cares about interest rates. Right. Uh, they're not doing that. No,
2: they're listing because they want to. It's the right time for them. It's ready for them, you know, to make whatever move they're making in life, right? Like mm-hmm. Joe said, maybe they're downsizing, maybe they're buying their dream home, maybe they're moving across the country, whatever the case may be. But I don't think that has really any any correlation to the interest rate situation right now.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. Okay. Now, are you talking about buyer demand? Is that part of the question too? Well, we haven't talked about that yet. Let's move on to that because
1: this is inventory. And I think inventory, yeah. like I, I think that is the most important metric out there because that shows what's going on in the market and that shows the real supply and demand. As you stated earlier, Joe, yes, we're at 2,200 homes, but like 12 000 to 15,000 is more normal. We have a long way to go to be balanced market. We're still a seller's market. Mm-hmm. Now, the interest rates, as you said, it's not impacting sellers, it's not impacting listings. They don't, care as much. Right. Um, but buyers. And I think the big telltale sign there is going to be once we
2: get through April, right, and can look back and see, you know, as those homes came on the market, went through their cycle, you know, on the market and closed, what was the the actual close percentage versus what was the inventory on the market? I think that's going to be the big telltale sign from the buyer's perspective as to what's actually happening out there. Yeah. Yep. I think you're
0: exactly right.
1: Now, do you have any insight jokes? I'm curious about this just because, you know, as a lender, you just see so many transactions out there. Mm-hmm. Have you seen an uptick in in more contracts being canceled, like kind of later in the stage of the financing because of higher interest rates? Have you seen a drop off in in buyer? Like, What have you seen from your lender's perspective?
0: Yeah, good question. So let me answer that in a few parts. Number one, have I seen people canceling um, after going under contract because interest rates change during the contract? No, because 100% of my clients, I advise them that we lock as soon as we sit down together. We go under contract, we sit down that day or the next day to review all their options. They select which down payment they want to do. They select the loan program they want. They select their closing costs, they select their interest rate. And I have this conversation with every client for the last 20 years. Mr. Client, if this information makes sense today, I recommend you lock it in because you have a lot of things to worry about between now and the closing. One thing you can cross off your list is whether or not rates are going to go up or down. Currently, they're going up, right? So because all of my clients are locking in at that initial appointment, we are not having any challenges with their interest rates changing. Um, So I haven't had any contracts cancel on that. Um, that's
1: I, a great point, by the way. So, I mean, uh, you know, a great thing that you do and it's a great tip for people out there early, you know, right now is lock your rate. I'd say well, I'd lock And, eight and eight from eight. the agent perspective, working with a
2: client, right? That's the first thing you want to get out of the way. And whenever you have clients that are super worried about the interest rate, it's kind of like, Hey, we've got a lot of other things going on within this transaction. You know, a little bit of fluctuation in interest rate, you know, is not going to be the biggest hurdle we have to overcome right now. So go in, sit down with your lender, sit down with Joe Make it happen, sign your documents, get locked down, and then we can continue on with the rest of the transaction. Because I can guarantee you there's a lot of other things we've got to deal with over a slight fluctuation in interest
0: rate. Yeah, and not locking into your interest rate, you're just simply gambling. Yep. Right. You're simply gambling with your finances for the next 30 years. Hey, I'm gonna float my rate because I think things are gonna get a little bit better. And if things get worse, now your payment is fifty, a hundred dollars more, and you're gonna be upset for the next years. 30 years, yeah. right? Um, so be cautious. I encourage everybody if these numbers make sense. Let's lock it in and move forward. If these numbers don't make sense during that initial appointment, let's make revisions. Do you want to put more money down? Does this property maybe not make sense for some reason? That's the whole point Do of that wanna, initial know, Pay your mortgage analysis. insurance up front instead of yeah. having
2: to, you know, I mean, there's plenty of different levers that
0: we can pull to make something work for each individual client. That's exactly right. Yeah. Such a great point. And then your other question, are we seeing people get out of the market because of increased interest rates? Uh, maybe. Now, Here's the way I describe it. Let's say I have a table that has 100 buyers on it. All right. And interest rates go up by 1%. Well, 1% generally decreases your buying power power by about $50,000. All right. So if I've got 100 people on the table, over on this end are the 10 most marginally qualified buyers. Interest rates go up by 1%. They can no longer afford a home or they can no longer afford the home that they want. That might move them off the table that they're no longer in the market. So now I have 90 buyers. Well, how many homes do I have for sale? 10. all right. So I had 100 buyers chasing 10 homes. Now I have 90 buyers chasing 10 homes. Instead of getting 10 offers on each home, I'm going to get nine. That's not going to necessarily slow down the market. Mm -hmm. Um, So every 1% is going to knock some people off the table, but there's still so much buyer demand and so little uh, seller supply, it's not going to materially slow down the market. Well, and and to Joe's
2: point, you know, it might not necessarily even knock them off the table, right? But it's going to move them into a different price bracket. So Mm -hmm. we're seeing that a lot in the market as well from, you know, the contract side of things and just looking at properties. I mean, you've got some pretty specific price bands that people are buying in, especially here in the metro area, depending on what you're looking for, as far as condos or single family houses or new builds or whatever. So it might just change and have them pivot to a different type of product or a different, you know, price category rather than buying that $700,000 house. Now they're going to have to look at something at 600 or 650. So they're not necessarily out of the market, but they're just having to to pivot on what they're going to go purchase.
0: So that's such an important point on the macroeconomic scale, right? If I'm one of the 10 buyers that's getting knocked off the table, it seems super painful. It seems like, oh, my God, this is a horrible thing. And I understand that. I get that. But from a macroeconomic scale, we're looking at the entire market, right? If not, if ten people get knocked off the table, there's still ninety going after homes. It's not going to materially impact the the market. No. But if you're one of those ten people, it is painful, right? And we don't want to downplay that. On a microeconomic scale, that still stinks. It does. If you wanted yeah. to buy a seven hundred thousand dollars home. Now we're talking about six fifty. Rates go up another point because we can't get under contract. We can't find something you like, and now you're talking about six hundred. Mm-hmm. That can make an impact on your quality of life the quality of property that you buy.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's a big difference between, you know, $400,000 houses and $500,000 houses and vice versa, you know, 600, right. to 700. And, um, you know, for some people, it's definitely uh, a little bit of a heartbreak there.
1: Yeah, that's right. So Preston, you haven't seen it knock many people out. It's just readjusting their price bands you're looking at. Yeah,
2: I mean we've seen a few clients that have kind of put the brakes on things because, you know, there's a lot more than just interest rates, you know, going up in the world right now. And so for them, it was kind of, you know, a personal choice of like, hey, I'm just gonna take a step back and look at it. Not a lot of clients have done that, but again, it's more of pivoting and looking at the numbers and and just readjusting what our expectations are gonna be. Um, you know, and that's why it's good to have an agent that understands the market and, and lenders that know what's going on and they're in it all day, every day, because you can help your clients work through, you know, those changes.
1: Yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, because you know, from headline reasons. Reading and just you know following the news. I mean, we're all in this in a you know day to day aspect in different sets of trenches. We're all yep. working towards uh, goals. We're all still doing deals. I mean, our volume here at Vision, we're doing we're the same cranking. plus them. I know you're still cracking, Joe, from a conversation you had last week. All like day, every day, deals are still getting done. Market's changing. We just have to help. You got to change with the market, yeah, right? You that, that's what market. we're good at. That's yeah. what
2: you, you need to do. And you have to be fluid with it and help your clients understand that.
1: Yep. So let's talk about this because, you know, we're, we're all investors here. A lot of people listen to the podcast, they're investors. Uh, we've got interest rates going up. I mean, you know, w- this is the March podcast. We're recording this April. Interest rates have gone up more in April. Um, and I think we all can expect them to go up more this year. Yep. Prices haven't really slowed down yet. Um, cool. March was a peak price month um, 106% close price to list price. So that means I listed my, uh, for every hundred dollars of my property listed for, it went for six cents over that. So a hundred thousand dollar house in theory went up for 106,000. That is way higher than last month and way higher than a year ago. So the highest numbers I remember seeing. And that just goes to show, uh, to Joe's point, whenever we're
2: talking about buyers getting knocked off the table, those 90 people that are still there they're still putting in really competitive offers. You That's know, right. they they haven't slowed down. They still want to get something under contract. They want to buy a new house and they're going to do whatever it takes to make that happen.
1: That's right. So we're seeing rising prices, rising interest rates. Uh, that usually makes cash on cash go down. Yep. yep, That's how that formula works. And I think anyone running numbers has quickly realized that. And I think everyone can agree that Interest rates, we don't expect to go down and prices go down. I don't expect any of those to happen this year would be my crystal ball guess. So looking at some investors perspective and guys who advise people all day, like what's someone take on this? Like, wow, I'm not getting these cash on cash returns. They're already, they were already harder earlier. This makes them tougher. (laughs) Non-existent. From a macro like perspective, what would you say to that, Joe?
0: Um, or just thoughts about that. Like the, you're an investor, like yeah, this, this is going to be a little bit painful, but if you have a lot of cash in the bank and you need to deploy that cash and you want to deploy it into real estate, stop looking for the perfect deal. Cause it's probably not out there. And if it is, you're going to compete with 20, 30, 40, 50, highly experienced investors, highly experienced, um, savvy buyers. Um, if you find a deal that's good enough, you should probably think about jumping on it. Um, don't look for a seven cap, an eight cap. Don't look for a no money down burr property, right? If you find something that works, take advantage of it because looking for that needle in a haystack is gonna do nothing but frustrate you. Your property is gonna continue to go up. Your interest rates are gonna continue to go up. And then eventually you're going to say, this is just too hard and you're not going to do anything. And then you're going to be stuck with all this cash that you don't have a way to redeploy. Or you'll finally swallow that pill and say, okay, in six months from now, I'm going to buy something. And you could have bought a deal that was good enough today and taken advantage of that next six months of appreciation. Because that property is going to go up, whether you own it or whether somebody else owns it, (laughs) most likely. (laughs) Um, But keep that in mind. If you're looking for the perfect deal... You might spend a lot of time looking and not actually taking any action.
2: But I think all of that is true regardless of what the market conditions are in real estate, right? And that's I what agree. we talk to our clients about is this is a long term play. You know, we're not looking at something that's gonna, you know, change your life in the next ninety days. So at the end of the day, you know, we're in this for the long term. Look at the numbers. We're this is a blip in the radar and the overall scheme of, of everything that you've got going on. And whatever your plan is, you know, understand that, you know, this is this is all going to change again. So find the deal, find something that's close enough, that's good enough. You know, take that single, take that double. Don't worry about trying to hit a home run because nine times out of 10, regardless of what's happening, it's not going to happen. Yep. So find something that works and play the long game.
1: I agree. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And just, I mean, this is stuff I constantly, you know, look at for myself and talking to clients. It's just, we are in an inflationary environment at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be like this probably for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's always, where do you, where do you put your money at? stock market. I mean, I still mess the stock market, but it's not as much as I used to. Yep. Um, real estate still looks really attractive. I mean, what are the asset classes? like? I still find real estate, leveraged real estate with an interest rate that is below inflation that I can get fixed for a long time. I find that incredibly attractive. And also just throughout, I don't know what else I could put my money in. Well, like that's side side of where my mind goes.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, we're talking about recession or, you know, there might be something coming down the road, but well, what is the historical, you know, performance been of real estate during any of those times?
0: Oh, I know the answer to this. What's that, Joe? Five out of the last six recessions, home prices have
2: appreciated. Appreciated every one of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, I think that's the other thing to take into account with real estate is, you know, it's, I'm not going to say it's recession proof, right? It's not. But at the end of the day, it's a
0: pretty good bet in a place to put some money. It's recession resistant. There you go. And of the f- five of the last six, uh, recessions, the one out of the last six where homes lost value was caught. Co- that recession was caused by real estate, right? Yep. Real estate went down. That's what drug us into that recession. So you take that one out five of the last five recessions that were not real estate driven, Home prices increased during that recession. Yep.
1: So something else I want to chat about here is we kind of you know chat what's going on in the market is rates are going up, prices are going up, but so are rents going up. Uh, this last year or last month it was what nineteen or twenty percent year over year, which is how it's kind of been for a bit. Uh, we don't get like the monthly written reports, but quarterly it's like thirteen percent. Yeah, it's like thirteen so, like, percent. Mm-hmm. A lot. And the thing that happens as, you know, buyers unfortunately get knocked out of the pool. Guess what? That shifts more people into they still have to live somewhere, right? And mm-hmm. live somewhere, which usually puts more pressure on the rental man. So <laughs> I think this is like a really important thing to look at because it's very easy to get fixated on prices and interest rates. And they are important. Mm-hmm. But as you said, Preston, you know, you're not getting rich in 90 days here in real yeah. estate. Um And, you know, rents usually go up in 90 days if you're on a lease, but rents go up. We still have huge demand on there. And that's a big part of the way I I still look at the investing, you know, buying real estate is the demand is still there. Uh, We're not getting a ton of new rentals on the market. No, we're not. And, you
2: know, we're still playing leapfrog with rent increases from 2020, 2021, right? Because, you know, some of those longer term leases, whether they were, you know, 12, 24, 36 months, whatever, right? They only turn on those time periods, whereas... Sales prices are going to keep going up no matter what's happening, regardless you of know, transactions going on, right. but rents are not on the same timetable.
0: Right, because you only, let's, let's assume every lease is 12 months, which it's not, but for argument's sake, that means you only have one twelfth of leases coming up for renewal every single month. So you don't see that same spike because of what's happening in the market, because some people might want to be increasing their rents, but uh, 11 out of those 12 tenants, or 11 out of those 12 landlords... Have a lease; they can't increase rents mm-hmm. until that renewal comes up. So you don't see rents increase in the same spike as you do with property appreciation, but it does trail and eventually catches up. It will catch up. Yep.
1: So I'll ask you guys this because we're talking modeling, and you know we've all played around ad nauseum with Joe's spreadsheet. Um, I've always used very historically conservative numbers in price appreciation and rent, and rent appreciation. Now, last year, I've changed it more, but now with prices and rates going up more, I'm playing with that field more because I'm like, oh, I normally say, let's be conservative at 3% price appreciation, and 3% rent appreciation. Which I get is conservative, but now I'm like, it's just looking at the data. Like, it's, not, it's real, not. realistic. It's not real anymore. No. And I've noticed it's very fun to play around because, hey, you go from a three percent to a seven or thirteen percent rent appreciation that year. That two, moves cash a, on cash a lot. and cash flow looks a lot different. So that's something I'm playing around with, doing with some of our clients we're working with. Yeah. But I'm having like what's the identity crisis for, I know, variable identity crisis. I don't know what you would call that. <laughs> um, but what the hell do you guys put how, those assumptions out? How do you not now? get
0: too optimistic? Yeah. Right? Well, here's my thought on that. Is, and I think you're spot on, right? Because this is, when I fill out that spreadsheet, 5% appreciation, 4% rent increase. Right? You're still using those. I use five and four. Well, that's what I've always used. Yeah. And then I look out, okay, in 15 years, this is a great property. In 20 years, is a great property. In 30 years, is a great property. If you're going to change that and say, hey, right now, properties are going up So I'm going to use a conservative number of 10% appreciation and rents are going up 12%. So I'm going to use a conservative number of 8%. I think that's perfectly fine, but I don't think you should look at what happens in years 15, 20, 30 because I don't think that market is going to continue for the long term. I think it works really good and then say, okay, now what's going to happen in year three? Yeah. Right. Where am I at in year three? Get a little more short-term thinking with those numbers. That's right. Yeah. That's right. In year three, where am I going to be? Am I happy with that number now for my short to medium-term plan? Can I sell that property? Can I take cash out? Can I buy something else? So um, take
2: advantage of what the market's giving you, right? Especially yeah. in the short term, what does that look like? And then, okay, from years three, four on, how is that going
0: to play out now? Right, from years four and on, I got to kind of ignore those numbers yep. because nobody can project out that far. Nobody knows.
1: I, anybody that says they know is full. I, I, I agree with you. because, yeah, And part of me, the reason I say this, I never look at those long-term numbers because sure. I've looked at enough, I generally <laughs> you know the it's going to be off the charts. Yeah, it's going to be like, oh my gosh, that's unbelievable, which is what people said 30 years ago when they bought a house. Right. Um, but I agree, like look at years two and three, and that makes a big difference because we've had so many clients where hey they bought a property and it was either a house act two years ago or they bought a rental property this year and the hey rents will be twenty eight hundred and then it gets leased out for thirty four hundred like, like that is a big yeah. freaking difference and like that and so I'm having a hard time and guess How what do you... that's locked in for the term of the lease right so right. that's
2: in there for twelve months or twenty four months whatever yeah. you ended up doing um, and so that changes the game a lot
1: yeah. so. Anything change your guys' uh, way you guys are planning on investing this year? Just with the world going on and some crazy I'm stuff? I'm actually pretty optimistic rates? about it. Yeah, Because you're under contract on your next Nomad, right, Preston? Yep, under a contract on my next Nomad. Um, What's the 10M close date?
2: Uh, right now, we're looking into September, beginning of October. So, you know, obviously the interest rate thing to me is, is something I'm keeping my eye on. And Joe and I have had quite a few conversations about it, but it's also something that we can't change, right? It's a variable that we have no control over um, and trying to lock in a rate right now for as long as it's going to be before closing. And we all know- how new builds are going these days. So it could mm-hmm. end up being, you know, October, November, hopefully not December. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it's one of those things, like I'm not going to put a whole lot of time and energy into it and worrying about it because it is what it is and nothing I can do about it.
0: Yeah, control what you can control, right? Yep. So for me, I'm open <clears throat> to lower cap rates. Right, I used to only buy stuff that was a 7% cap rate or above. Then cap rates started to tighten, and I opened up to 6.5. Cap rates tightened, I opened up to 6. Now- Are you down to a 4 yet, Joe? Not quite. Almost. (laughs) Almost. Um, But if there's a 5 cap, I'll be pretty darn happy with that because I have- uh, very high confidence that prices are going to increase. I'm going to get a lot of appreciation gain. I also have very high confidence that rents are going to appreciate, um, and I'm going to get rental increase in the future. And the money sitting in the bank is losing value every single day. Yep. I need to put that money into an asset that is going to outrun inflation, which generally, what's the best asset for that? Real estate.
1: So the other thing um, I want to go back to you mentioned on your new build is <laughs> you, you've you been on a contract for like five months on this? Uh, yeah, since December. Okay. So yeah, four or five months now. Um what is it appreciated in price so far?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was one of the the key things that you know prompted me to get in and under contract when I did. I found um a location that was fairly early on in their lot releases, and I knew it was probably gonna be at least a year, maybe 14 months before you know I would have something to move into. But um knowing what's happening in the market and just you know being in it every single day, you know, they increase prices every time they release lots um so as of last week um they're now just about $70,000 Up um, at the base price contract price for the same models in my house as they are on their new lot releases. Um, And so that for me was also something that was enticing about it because I knew I was going to be walking into a brand new house with a ton of equity. And guess what? That can make up for a lot of changes in interest rate.
0: And your all in price is roughly 700? Uh, 720. 720. So that that
2: was for me one of the things I want to make sure I was under conventional loan limits, right? So from the nomad house hacking perspective, you know, putting as little down as possible. um, But all of a sudden, I'm now going to have a house with, you know, hundred thousand dollars in equity, maybe.
0: So you have 10% appreciation gain theoretically. Yep. And have they installed cabinets? Uh, They haven't even started framing yet, Joe. Okay. So you have a foundation <laughs> that's gone up. I do have a concrete foundation. 10% yes. over the last five months. Yep. I would say that's a solid investment. I think that was a pretty good, pretty good choice. I'm not a uh, math guy, uh, yeah. but I think that's a solid investment. Well, that's why we have spreadsheets, Joe. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we should hire somebody to make some of those.
1: And, um, you said something, Joe, and given your response, it just popped my mind and, uh, and left, left my mind. Um, but it's going around with, uh, buying properties and adjust actually it was adjusting your standards with the market. And this is why I talk about clients all the time. And when I, wanna, you know, highlight this because you had your, Hey, here's my standards. Here's what, here's the criteria I want. Um, you can't find it anymore. And this is one of the things where you can address your criteria because the market doesn't give a damn. We all know what the Denver market does. Yep. Are you going to accept it, adapt to it, you can get creative, you want to hire a cap rate, cool, adjust to it or go run an Airbnb or go run room by room or don't use a property manager. Um, Get that way. And it's adjusting people's expectations to like, hey, cool, I want this, I hear this, but now the market's here. How do you realign your expectations Um, and your investment goals
0: with the market. Because that's the one thing we can change. We ain't changing the market though. You have to adjust to where you're at. You have to adjust to what's going on. Um, And there's people that I still talk to. They're like, oh man, I'm gonna buy a fix and flip and I'm gonna make $100,000. I'm like, you're not realistic. Not here, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. Because there are highly experienced people that are doing that and they've done it literally a thousand times and you're a brand new investor and that's who you're competing against. No, you're not. Right? I'm going to buy a, a burr property that's going to be a nine cap, and I'm going to put no money down. No, you're not. You know why? Because the market is surprisingly efficient, and the market's going to squeeze you out. And all you're going to do, Mr. Client, is waste your time, frustrate yourself, and then 10 years from now, be complaining about shoulda, coulda, woulda, in real estate. So what you have to do is adjust your expectations. This is what's available in the market. Can you still make money with it? Yes, you absolutely can. Maybe you're not going to have as much cash flow, or... Maybe you have to put more money down to get the cash flow that you want, but you've got a bunch of money sitting on the sidelines anyways. Well, and
2: I think that just goes to the point of, of something that we work on with our clients, you know, all the, all the time is educating them, right? Having good Mm -hmm. quality education and knowing what's going on in the market and having those realistic expectations based off of that education. That's right. That's what it comes down to, you know, because, you know, clients only know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And if you help them get to that point and give them all the information and lay it all out for them, it's going to make everyone's job a lot easier and it's going to make their experience a lot better.
0: Right. Cause you didn't create the market. No, you're just delivering the information. Right. And, but people have a tendency to shoot the messenger and I'm guilty of this. Ask my team. They hate me for that. (laughs) Right. But people have a tendency to shoot the messenger. You're just providing the information that we get from the market. Exactly. But
2: to that point as well, our job is to provide that information and then provide a game plan, you yeah. know? Give them some tools to be able to help navigate whatever those market conditions are so that everybody can win. That's right.
1: All right, so last couple months before we wrap up here, because we could keep talking about this, but I think everyone's got the gist. Price is going up, rates are going up, understand the market, understand the way to make money in real estate, change your assumptions, expect rent to go up, all the stuff we, we've just been chatting about for the last 20 minutes. What about deals? Because people love hearing market updates and deals. Preston, I'm gonna start with you. Give me a quick rundown on just a cool deal that you worked on the last, you know, few weeks. Yeah. Well, it kind of goes back
2: to, you know, what you're speaking to earlier about adjusting your expectations and changing your game plan a little bit. Um, A recent deal, I closed with one of our clients um, who did a cash out refi, had some cash sitting in the bank and wanted to buy a new primary. And they were looking at, you know, Hey, this is going to be a nomad property, a future rental, whatever. But obviously we started looking at the market conditions. Prices are going up. Hey, you know, flow is going down. This isn't really going to work. Yeah. You know, we could be okay with a little bit of negative cash flow, but not really something we're super comfortable with. What else can we do? short-term rental. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one, one area that we're seeing in the market right now, that there is some opportunity and depending on municipalities and location and, you know, rules and regulations, all that fun stuff. Um, but there is an opportunity there. And so we were able to pivot and find them an awesome property on the west side of town that was actually already set up as an operating airbnb um came fully furnished ready to rock and roll the, the rates were great on it yeah we had to pay over list price um but at the end of the day we came in with a backup offer because of course somebody came in with a cash offer and glitz and glamour and all that fun stuff but you know knowing what what's going on in the market and knowing you know how these deals are, are going right now i said hey clients just trust me with this one let's go in let's put a backup offer in Guess what? One day later, got a phone call from the listing agent. You guys still, you know, willing to play ball? Absolutely. Let's go. We got them in there and they're super stoked. They've got a fully functioning, operating Airbnb. Um, it's got a, a lower, lower unit for the Airbnb, fully set up, ready to rock and roll. Were they expecting to jump into the Airbnb game or, you know, the short-term rental game? No, but now
1: they're pretty excited about it and it's a new adventure for them. So, so the numbers got them excited. Yep. The numbers got them excited. Yeah. And yeah. and this is, I mean. Thank you. But I mean, that's just a great thing where there's always there's always another plan. Like there's always no alternative. Like that's yep. one of the fun things about real estate. It can be fun most of the time and sometimes a little overwhelming for people. But like in the stock, like, oh, I don't like uh, what the Vanguard S&P 500 fund is doing. I can't what get am I creative do? on buying that. Yeah, right. But with this example here is they got creative on, hey, we're doing on here. We want better numbers. We're gonna shift to this plan. Yep. Like there's almost always a solution. And you have to weigh those pros and cons in there. Now, if you do not like that solution, that's a different story, but there's always different doors to look through.
2: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, And luckily enough, I was able to work with Joe on that deal. So we Mm -hmm. got it done and
0: closed and rock and roll. Oh, awesome. Those clients are awesome. I know exactly who you're speaking of. They're super cool. Okay. Joe, talk about a different deal. All right, here's one of my (laughs) favorites. I had one recently. Um, Younger guy out looking at properties, um, finds a property that has a lease in place. Now, this is a house hacker. He wants to buy a property as his primary residence. Listing says investors only lease in place for, I believe it was another 100 and uh, 120 days. No, that's not right. Yeah. 120 days, four months, um, lease in place for another 120 days. No primary residents have to buy it as an investor. All right. And this property was 400 and I think it was $380,000. Um, and the lease was like 1600 a month Does that work for any investors going to make money. No, No. not a chance. So what do you know? This property sits on the market for like 18 days. He goes and looks at it. Which is an eternity in this market. (laughs) Which is an eternity, right? But why? Because it says, hey, lease in place, investors only. You have to buy it with negative cash flow. Who wants that? Nobody. Nobody. So what does he do? He goes and looks at it, says, you know what? I really like this property. Writes up a contract and says, hey, we'll close in 61 days and we'll give the tenant a 59-day post-closing occupancy He offered a price of $401,000, which was higher than anything else that anybody had even entertained. He can buy it, let the tenant remain there for 59 days. When the tenant moves out, he moves into the upstairs unit, rents out the basement, and this works perfectly for him. And the seller got the price that they want. The tenant's going to leave at the end of their lease term, which they were already planning to do. And he's able to buy it as an investor for a $401,000 house hack with a basement apartment and I believe it was in Denver proper. It might be Lakewood. I'd have to double check. But tremendous deal, all because he said, hey, I'll write a longer contract and let's work together. Got a little creative. Guess what? He got let's a little create creative opportunity. What else does he get? Let's think about this for a minute. How much do properties go up every month? One and a half percent? <laughs> yeah. Does that property appreciate one and a half percent every month for the next four months and while he's on a contract? Rate's
2: done since
0: he went under contract? That's right. You know? He is locked at an interest rate that is actually not available today. Yep. Right, So he is locked on an interest rate, and this property is going to go up 6% between the day he went under contract and the day he closes on it, or pardon me, the day he moves into it, and he's got a long-term interest rate lock. So this property is going to gain probably $16,000 in value. His rate's going to remain fixed, and he'll move into it and be able to house hack it based on today's price, or last month's price, three months from today.
2: So you're saying he wasn't super worried about the $1,600 a month in rent then at that point? No. Okay. Not too much. And also knowing he's only going to have one mortgage payment due during that time. Correct. That was okay. Yeah. I think he'll be okay with that.
0: Yep. Yeah. So this is somebody who was able to say, you know what? I'll have to pay one payment. I'll have to, you know, wait a little while before I can move into my house. And he's getting a smoking deal.
2: Cool. And walking into it with
0: equity. Mm-hmm. So I love it. Thank you
1: guys. And I like to end, I want to start ending the shows on like the doing deals. Cause it's something like I've, I've realized going back on this sort of podcast is they can Sometimes be a little doom and gloomy. You talk about stats and extreme numbers. Like it's talk about like, the fun stuff. It's like, ah, oh, it's tough. But deals are still getting done. We're still finding great solutions out there that make sense to the market, that make sense for the investor, yep. whether it's a house hacker or landlord investor. Like there's ways to get things done out there. And that's the message that we want to do, that we want to share out there. And we're doing it, you know, every single day with our every clients day. and ourselves. So thank you, Joe. Thank you, Preston. Thanks, Chris viewers listeners out there, you guys have questions all the contact deals and show notes reach out to press to me to help buy your next house hack buy investment property reach out to joe and team massey talk about lending and loans and get a great loan to help you uh, make numbers work we'll see you guys next month thanks guys